0: There is no classroom for you to be dismissed to. That means you're an adult. I know. So you got to stay. So let's open up our Bibles today to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. We've been talking about a blueprint for Christian conduct. And going through this Ephesians chapter 5, God wants his children, his sons, and his daughters to behave in a specific way. Why? Because our conduct matters. You say, well, well why does our conduct matter? It doesn't save us, per se. Salvation is a free gift given to us by grace. But our conduct matters because the world is looking at us who claim to be Christians and deciding what they think about Christ. So our conduct matters, amen. And I hope that you and I would reflect Christ in all that we do and say and this chapter, chapter 5, chapter 6, as we're moving our way through here, uh, helps us to get our conduct into God's order. Last week we talked uh, in about verse 21. I'm going to read that to you. It's kind of the linchpin of what allows us to fall in line with all the rest of God's structure and order here. Um, I'm going to read verse 21 through 24 this morning. And let's pray and thank God for the word. Father, we thank you this morning for the word. We thank you that we are children of God and that your word is a blueprint for us. We thank you for Ephesians 5 that gives us a blueprint for our conduct so that we can reflect Christ to a dark world. And I just pray, Lord God, that we look more like Jesus and less like our old nature the more we give ourselves over to your word. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, and the church said... Amen. So verse 21 was from last week, and it is the uh, linchpin to help us apply all of what's in the next verses here. Without it, uh, these verses don't work very well. So let me read you verse 21 through 24, and we'll jump in. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So 21 again, looking at that, uh, it's important as we look at, What God says to the wives, what he says to the husband, what he says to the children. Everything falls in line in God's order. But 21 is important. Be subject to one another. That means submit to one another. What? In the fear of Christ. Last week, we defined two concepts that are important. They're important for what we're about to hear today. The first was the concept of submission. Now, the body of Christ submits within the chain of command that God put in order. Amen? God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of man, man is the head of woman, children come under there, and it is a straight line. You say, what happens when we fall into God's order? When God pours the blessing out, it goes right into all of our relationships. When there's disorder, we miss it. Did you ever feel like there were blessings being poured out and you missed it? Not a good feeling, amen? Where you see other people's homes, they're in order, or other people's children are in order, or other people's marriages, they're in order, but somehow you're missing it. Oh, it's quiet already this morning. Look, this is about as fun as it's going to get. So um, you, you, do you want to laugh through it now? So order, structure, God's chain of command, it works on submission. We found that everyone has someone to submit to in God's chain of command, amen? No one gets to say, well, I just do what I want. People who do what they want separate themselves from the order in the body of Christ. If you know anything from the animal kingdom, if you get separated from the pack, you're a target for the enemy, amen? Amen. Wolves eat the sheep that's separated. Lions eat, you know. You see on the uh, the outdoor channels and stuff that poor little gazelle that gets separated from the pack. Man, I'm always rooting for him. (laughs) And the lion just picks him out, the sickly one who's walking, you know, like this. and you're like, see, I mean, oh. see, that's what happens when we fall out of God's order. So what I preach here from the text is not to constrain us, not to, you know, ruin our fun, not to take away our liberty, but it's to keep us safe. Someone say amen. amen. All of us have someone to submit to in the chain of God's command. Uh, the second principle we learned, it was the concept of the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord answered the question, why we would submit to anyone. Because we talked about the fact that our flesh does not like to submit. If you hate to listen to authority, if you hate to submit to authority, what you have is a flesh problem. Our flesh does not like to submit. Men don't like to submit. Women don't like to submit. Children certainly don't like to submit, amen? Anybody have children? So it's a flesh problem, amen? And we see it all in the chain. Hopefully, we can spot it and realize how it creates havoc. But why would I submit to anyone's authority? you know, I'm free. I'm an American. I can just do what I want. Not forever you can't. Someday you'll draw your last breath. Someday your heart's going to stop ticking. And then you'll answer to the one who gave you the gift of life. We're all going to submit to somebody someday. We should submit to others? Yeah, we should humble ourselves. We should carry our own crosses. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, deny yourself. Oh, I don't like that. Carry a cross. That sounds heavy. But listen to me. We. Why would we ever do those things? Because not to please man, not to look spiritual, but because we fear the one who commanded us to do so. God has commanded us to do some things. They weren't the 10 suggestions. They were the 10 commandments. Amen. And so there's some things we've all got to do, and our flesh doesn't like it. But when we fall in line out of the fear of the Lord, now the fear of the Lord was not dread or terror. The fear of the Lord was awe and reverence. I obey God because I'm in awe of him, because I reverence him. Come on, because I love him this morning, that I'm going to fear him, that I'm going to submit to his order, that I'm going to carry my cross. Come on, hello, that I'm going to deny my flesh. Don't fall asleep on me yet. Come on, first service was more alive than this, and they were half awake. So there's God's order. There's the submission that we need, the mutual submission we look at, and the fear of the Lord. It's important, and it helps us to do the next uh, things that the Scripture tells us to do here. So let's look at verse 22, every lady's favorite verse. It's the one, ladies, you got highlighted in your Bible with little hearts and stars, and maybe you put glitter around it. (sighs) Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, this is a verse that when I've quoted it at weddings, I've heard audible gasps. It's amazing. You could say, husband, love your wife and lay your life down for her and you're gonna, you need to love her enough to die for her and the bride will be there. That's right, that's right. You, you're you gonna die every day. Yes, I'm gonna <laughs> kill you a little at a time. Yeah, and they're all good. Then, <laughs> then you say, Why I've submitted, I've had audible guests while I'm giving, you know, I'm up there, it's holy, God's there, the bride's glowing. Ah, There's people, somebody manifested in the back row. And you say, why, you know, why did God ask us to do these things, and why such the reaction? It's the verse that gets more of a reaction uh, when I've done weddings that were secular. I mean, you just I got people staring at me, you know, lo- lo- daggering me. They, they don't realize, you know, uh, that just encourages me, but... This is the verse that triggers every feminist to cry misogyny. See, the Bible's just trying to keep the ladies down, but yet this is the verse that every mature Christian woman actually finds liberating when it's applied correctly in the context of a godly marriage. Say amen. Yeah. You know, and notice there are a lot of qualifiers there when it's applied correctly in the context of a godly marriage you try to misapply this one, you try to do it, you know, wrong in the wrong context where there's no love. It is a disaster. It's World War Three every day. Amen. Marriage is not a combat sport. Some of them are dead. You don't wake up every day and your alarm clock goes ding, ding in this corner, you know, you're gloving up, you're gloving up, you're wrapping up. Here we go. No, marriage is not a combat sport, amen? We're going to talk about that a little bit. But, you know, this verse uh, can be abrasive. Why? Because no one's flesh likes to submit, yet God says, submit to your own husbands. Now, listen, God saw that his daughters would be covered uh, in every situation. And he saw that his daughters would always be covered. You say, well, why do I need to be covered? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to understand, Paul says, that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. So God's order was that he took the dust of the earth, he took a bunch of dirt, and he breathed in it. Ta-da, he's got a man. Why do we like the filth and the dirt, men? Because we're dirt. But he took the woman from the man, amen? And so he took the rib. He caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He takes So there's the order. The woman is removed from the man, twice removed from the earth, uh, different in function, equal in personhood. And God made this creation that way, so there's order there. Whatever comes out of you doesn't become your head. Ladies, you need to remind your children this. They came out of you. They don't become your boss. Hello? There's order here, Amen. I got an amen from Donna. Praise God, Donna. I appreciate it. But like the woman came out of the man. So it's a natural order here. First Corinthians eleven seven: The man should not have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. So the glory moves up the chain. And that's what I want you to see here. Uh, God saw to it that his daughters would always be covered. Ladies, you are always covered as women of God by your pastoral staff. The pastors cover you here in prayer. Whatever you need, whatever issues you have, whatever uh, situations that you come across, you are covered here and you have an open door access to leadership. So you're covered by the pastoral staff. Unmarried women are covered by their father's covering. This is important. Some of you had good fathers. Some of you had bad fathers. But whatever the case is, your heavenly father uh, has instituted a covering for you, either through pastoral leadership or your father. But when you get married, you're under your husband's covering. You see, God saw to it that you'd always be covered and protected and loved and nurtured. That's the way it's supposed to work. Say amen. amen. Now, I want to say something here. God asked the woman to submit to the man that she chooses to marry. This is important. See, ladies, you get a choice before you get married. You get a choice, right? So what I want to say to you about this is God is saying, you need to submit to your chosen husband. Now, there are no arranged marriages, not, not even in New Yorkistan. We don't do that anymore, right? No arra- no political weddings. No, you, you're not the queen of one kingdom, and you married the king, and we, you know, we got together so we can make Canada and the U.S. just, you know, <laughs> combine our kingdoms. No, there's no political marriages. There's no shotgun weddings. Well, I can't speak for down South, but there's no shotgun weddings here. So what I'm trying to say to you is that you get a choice on who you marry. That means you choose who you're going to submit to. So from the bottom of my pastoral heart, please choose wisely. Amen. Because if you don't you know, as I was putting this message together, my wife and I have had a lot of conversations about this because I want her perspective. And I've got to say, you know, God put us together. We, 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 you know, I saw my bride. I, I said, that's for me. And we had, in 28 years of marriage, I have never had a problem loving her, and she's never had a problem submitting to me. Isn't that true? They're looking at me like I'm making it up. <laughs> R- raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, I mean, never, we've never had issues. You say, well, what is that? That's when you let God pair you. So ladies, choose wisely. Look at the way he treats his mother. Look at the way he speaks to other women. Oh, well, that's just the way he treats them. You're next. Come on, look at the way he submits to authority. Is he submitted to Jesus? If he's not, then he, you know, he's not gonna cover you properly. Don't choose with your eyes. Choose by the Holy Spirit. And let those over you in the Lord help you. If you've got your pastors and your family and your close friends saying, no, 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 don't, don't, no. no. Yes, yes. Oh, but he's a bad boy. He has a motorcycle. I just, <laughs> I see years of counseling appointments. <laughs> choose wisely. That's nine-tenths of what makes this work. So it says very clearly here that, you know, you get a choice. And notice how the text reads. It says, submit to your own husband. Say own. Own. So there's a sense here where the word is being very clear that a woman is not required to submit to any and every male who decides it's his place to tell her what to do. That's not right. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's what happens in male-dominated cultures and society, and it's not biblical. It's wrong. A woman is not required to submit to any and every male. Now, look, I wouldn't be very enthusiastic if somebody just walked in and started bossing my wife around. And all the men said, amen, she's mine. I cover her. I love her. She works for me. I work for her. We're a team. Somebody bossed her around, somebody comes in, tell her what to do, hey woman, get me a plate of this, get me a coffee. Well, we're gonna have an issue. Amen. I'm saved, but I'm still Sicilian. (laughs) So understand, it's very clear here, wives submit to your own husband, and ladies, you get to choose him. This is good news. Now, in other countries and cultures, women are completely subservient to men. And For centuries, even in biblical times, women were seen to provide financial gain for their fathers as they sold them off into marriage. Even in biblical times, women were seen as property that, you know, if you had seven or eight daughters and they were good lookers, cha-ching, they were going to bring you a good dowry. You know, I think I got 38 cows for I had to pay for you. My father-in-law is a rancher, so black Angus are not cheap. She was worth it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So understand, this is these cultures and customs that we've seen in history where women were treated as property. They were sold into marriage for money, you know, for financial gain by way of dowry. In the Middle East, there are many places still today where women can't be educated. They can't even go to school. There's places in Afghanistan or Pakistan where if women are teaching little girls to read, they're actually in physical danger. They can be put in jail. You know, they speak their mind in public, and they get acid thrown in their faces. You you and I need to see what goes on around the world. Everywhere the gospel goes, the status of women is elevated. That's not by accident. That's by God's design. So understand, it says submit to your own husband. Uh, There's places in the Middle East you can't walk in public alone. You can't drive a car. You can't speak freely. It's male-dominated to the point where all women are subservient, and that's wrong. Women are not under the authority of any and every male, only the God-ordained authority of spiritual leadership, their fathers or their husbands. Women are not second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. Just because of where we fall into the chain doesn't make us any less precious to God. Women are equal recipients of salvation, equal recipients of the Holy Spirit, equal recipients of the giftings of the Holy Spirit that need to be used in the body of Christ. Come on this morning. Man, I'll tell you what, this has been a lackluster response. (laughs) I think you're just scared that I'm going to say something that's really going to just, well, I'll get to it, yeah. (laughs) But people are like, It's good. It's God's word. It's good. It's tense in here. I could cut it. So. You know, women are not second-class citizens. Every culture and uh, country that embraces the gospel sees their standing elevated. That's God's design. So they're equal partners in marriage. Now, verse 23 is very clear about God's kingdom order. Verse 23 says this, For the husband is the head of the wife. It's real clear. As Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. So that verse is giving a clear picture of the chain of command. And it's talking about headship. Now, you might say, why in the world did God assign the man to have the duty of being the head? Now, listen, when we get to the next week, if we all survive this, we're going to talk about the men having to love their wives. Amen. And men, a lot of times, woman's greatest issue is that she wants to be in charge. And it comes from Genesis where the sin came in and the fall was there. God said, you will desire your husband, but he will rule over you. So there was little enmity put there. So ladies, if you fall to your flesh, you're going to want to control your husband. Husbands, if you fall to your flesh, you're going to want to love yourself more than your wife. Men just want to love themselves. And everyone around is just an accoutrement to help me love myself better. That's for next week. But, you know, here's what, what the order here is very clear. You know, that uh, there is a structure and God wants us to fall in line to it. It's a matter of headship. Now, why did God choose the man to be the head? There's many times the man doesn't want to be the head. And you see men abdicating their responsibilities in the home, and they, they, the ladies have to do everything. They have to be the spiritual leader, they have to shuffle everyone around, they have to work a job, they have to cook, they have to clean. Come on, ladies, let me hear you this morning. It's too much. And Captain Lazy sits on the couch with the remote. (laughs) Bring me a sandwich. I like to pop out of the closet. I'll give you a sandwich. (laughs) So it's a clear chain of command. Why did God pick the head? Because everything in God's kingdom has a head. Yeah, well, we're just co-heads. No, yeah, well, we're just, uh, you know, we'll just share. We'll go back and forth six months on. Se- no, it's not the way it works. God puts a head over anything. Anything without a head is dead. If you have pets without heads, our pets' heads are falling off. Anything without a head is dead. So, well, there's no head in our house. It's dead. Anything with two heads is unnatural. Hello, it's not natural. Everything God did in scripture has a head. He wanted to start a movement. He wanted to start a nation. He got Abraham. He wanted to free people. He got Moses. He put a head over whatever he did. He wanted to rebuild the wall. He got Nehemiah. Hello, God is into headship. Now, everything in God's kingdom has a head. Anything without a head is dead. Anything with two heads is unnatural. There had to be a head within the Godhead. Think about this. There is a head in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the mystery of the Trinity. Who's the head of the Godhead? The Father. If you didn't get that, I was going home. (laughs) The Father is the head. Jesus submitted to the Father. Did Jesus throw a tantrum? I have to submit. I want to do my own thing. The Son of Man came to the world to do his own thing. No, that's not what he said. He said, I only do what I see my Father doing. Ladies, Jesus is providing the example here of uh, how he beautifully, humbly submitted to the Father and how, what, it, what, what it worked out for our benefit to provide us salvation. So it's so powerful here when we see God's order. Everything in God's kingdom has a head. The Father is the head of the Godhead. Uh, the, the, there is a head in everything. God's choice to make the man the head follows His natural order. And see, He formed the man. He took the woman out of the man. We talked about this. So it's the natural order. Anything that comes out of you doesn't get become over you and lord over you. Hello. So it's order, it's structure, it's God's way. Verse 3, God's choice was meant to reflect Christ and the church. So when uh, we get together and we get married and we come into covenant relationship with each other and the two become one flesh, that is supposed to be a living illustration of Jesus, the, the bridegroom, coming to take the bride, the church, and the two becoming one marriages are supposed to reflect the order of god when they are in god's order they do that when they are in disorder we look in our generation we look in our culture with an over 50 percent divorce rate and we see that marriage does not reflect what god intended it to reflect unfortunately even in the church and this breaks the heart of god that the world looks and goes well Those people don't have anything to offer. Look at their relationships. Look at their marriage. Look at the disorder in their home. Look how they fight. Look how they usurp each other. Look how they refuse to love one another. It's a clear picture. God put the man to be the head because there had to be a head. It follows his natural order, and it's to be a picture of Christ and the church. Verse 24 is the last verse. We only had three verses to endure, ladies, so here it comes. The last verse provides a model of, for the woman's submission. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. So you get to choose. You have to submit to the one you choose. But when you choose, God expects you to be submitted to your he- husband as the head. Now, a wife's submission to her husband reflects her devotion to Christ. Now, let me show how you how this works. A woman cannot claim to be spiritually mature and devoted to Jesus while at the same time resisting, rebelling, and undermining her husband's role any more than a man can claim to be a man of God and refuse to love his wife. Do you see how this works? We've each got to do our part because why? Jesus said so. It's his change. It's his order. If we rebel against it, if we resist it, if we say, if we out now refuse, then what? We, we say we love Christ, we say we're spiritually mature, but it's not true. How we obey Jesus, how we obey Jesus, is the truest picture of how much we really love him. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke six forty seven. And why call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Jesus is saying you know, I appreciate the lip service. I appreciate you calling me Lord. I appreciate you telling me how spiritual you are and how much you love me. But why don't you listen to me? Wow. Oh, because, you know, I, you know, I just want to feel good and feel spiritual and act holy, but I don't actually want to obey. Our obedience is what proves we love Jesus. If I refuse to love my wife and call myself a man of God, I'm a fraud. If my wife actively undermines me and usurps me and talks behind my back to paint me as the buffoon that I am, I mean, and paint me as a buffoon, <laughs> that's not spiritual maturity. It's a flesh problem. I'm just going to enjoy the silence. So, loving Jesus means obeying Jesus. Let me say a few things about the tail end of verse 24. It says here, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the women ought to be subject to their own husbands in everything. I want to talk about everything. Let's say everything. Everything. Everything's a lot of things, isn't it? Okay, let's talk about that. I don't believe in a healthy Christian marriage that it should include one subservient slave and one micromanaging dictator. I'm going to say that again because it needs to be heard. I don't believe a healthy Christian marriage includes one subservient slave and another micromanaging dictator. That is not a picture of Christ in the church. And any man who wants to micromanage and control everything, look, I don't tell my wife what color to paint the kitchen or what those things that you ladies hang on the wall. That uh, sconces, shelves, doohickeys, barn boards and twigs and pine cones. I just, she picks him, she points, I get my level, I get everything, I make him perfectly straight, and I'm like, right, I don't, I don't micromanage everything in my, t- not only do I not have the time for that, that's not my job as a husband, I'm to cover, okay, so, you know, in, in marriages that are ungodly, you have this one person who has to listen to everything, and the other person controls everything, that's not a picture of Christ in the church, this verse is not sanctioning tyranny in marriage, this, this verse is not telling us that we can be tyrants or bullies as men. Now listen, when it talks about everything, here's what I believe this verse is teaching us. That in important situations, you know, not what not the color of the sconce is going to be. That's not important, okay? Pick your battles, boys. In important situations where there is no couple agreement, God has charged the man with making the final decision. If both parties can't agree, he must make the final decision. And both parties have to fall in line and say, okay, we're going to go with God's order, amen? Now, I got to say, in 28 years of marriage, that's a rare situation. My wife is spiritual enough and I'm connected to God enough that we both hear him speak to us. And in 28 years of marriage, really, I've never had to do that. But in times where I did have to make decisions, my wife always honored God and honored me. And that's a good thing. And you say, well what is it all about? It's about covering. It's about, you know, where there's no couple agreement. The man has to learn to hear from God and know what God is saying to his family. So it's God's order. It's God's structure. Now, you've got to understand something. Uh, we as married people have to function as a team. It's all about teamwork. There again, if you see your, your marital partner as the opposition, you, you've got to get your heart right. If you see them as, you know, your sparring partner, oh, I came out on top today, woo. He was tired, I broke him down, I beat him. You know, that's the wrong idea. Let me just tell you a little story about teamwork here that touched my heart. There's a story about Jimmy Durante, a great entertainer from a generation ago. How many are familiar with Jimmy Durante? Yeah, Okay. So he was asked to take part in a, a show for World War II veterans to entertain the, the veterans for their morale. So he, he told them his schedule was very busy and that if they wouldn't mind him doing a short monologue and then just leaving right afterward, he would do it. The director happily agreed, Jimmy Durante, sure, we'll take whatever you can give us. And, you know, he, he comes to the show and he goes through his short monologue and then he stays, And then there's laughter and there's applause and it grows louder and louder and he goes on for longer and longer and then again he stays. 15 minutes he goes, 20, 30. Finally he takes his last bow and he leaves. When he gets backstage, the director grabs him and says, I thought you had to go after a few minutes. Jimmy answered, I did have to go but I can show you the reason I stayed. You see those two guys in the front row, each of whom lost an arm during the war. One lost the right arm and one lost the left and together they were clapping for me. And he said, that inspired me to say and do the whole set. Now listen, you and I, as married people, we bring half of the equation to the table. We're two complete people, but when we become one flesh, we clap together, or we don't clap at all. (laughs) Some marriages clap like this. And that doesn't inspire people to do things that they think they can't do. But when people see us as a team and they see our homes in order, and they see a a husband that loves his wife and a wife that honors her husband and children that actually listen twice a week. (laughs) The blessing flows, and we become spiritually attractive to the world. This is not to ruin our fun. This is not to keep us down. This is not to ruin our day. This is to have us in order so we can be blessed, so we can be a light to the world, amen? Amen. Now, I want to... I want to close with this here. uh, You might have been sleeping the whole time, but I guarantee you will wake up right now. Can a woman biblically refuse to submit to her husband? Don't answer. But get your notepad out. Can a woman biblically refuse to submit to her husband? And the answer is yes. And let me give you three circumstances where I believe it's applicable. Uh, Number one is this. If her husband is abusive to her and demands she submit to the abuse, a woman can biblically refuse to submit to her husband. Abuse is not part of God's chain of command. Jesus doesn't abuse men. Men shouldn't abuse women, and none of us should abuse children. Someone say amen. Amen. People who use abuse to manipulate and control others are not of God. God is not a bully or a tyrant. So, ladies, if you're being abused by a man who hides behind scriptures and twists the word of God to control you, get counsel immediately. Come to your pastor and get counsel immediately. It's quiet. Immediately. Don't let it go on and on, it only gets worse. Ladies, if you're ever in physical danger, God's word does not require you to submit to that. Get away, get safe, and get counsel immediately. God's order does not include abuse. Number two, a woman can biblically refuse to submit to her husband if her husband asks her to do something illegal or immoral. (laughs) You guys like doing illegal, immoral things, or... (laughs) I feel like I'm just knocking them out of the park, and you guys are just watching them go. Okay. No one can force you to do immoral things that contradict the word of God. No one can demand that you do illegal things. Take this envelope. Go behind the dumpster. Come on. The Italians know what I'm talking about. So a woman has the right to refuse to do that. She doesn't have to break the law. She doesn't have to break God's word. If her husband asks her to do that, she has the right to biblically refuse. And number three, if her husband is an adulterer who stays in the adultery and demands her to submit, she has the right to refuse to submit to him. Here's what I want to say. I've been around the block a long time. I've been a pastor for many years, and I've seen a lot of things. There are those who are serial adulterers who will not repent of their adultery. They go out, and they do their thing, and then they come home, and they want their wife to submit to them. Let me tell you something. When you're in adultery, you have broken your marital covenant. And that covenant is no longer in effect. You say, where did you get that? Jesus said the only reason he permitted divorce is for marital unfaithfulness. If you have a cheating partner who demands your submission, you are are under no obligation to submit to that. You need to get counsel very quickly so that the, the pastoral staff can broker repentance and possible restoration. But if you do choose to say you need to set up very strict boundaries to keep your heart intact. So there are instances where submission goes out the window. And these are a few examples. They're not all of them. My wife and I couldn't think of any more. But if you can think of some, maybe I'll let me know. And next time I preach this, we'll include them. But submission works in the structure of a godly marriage. It's not the easiest thing for any of us to do. But Jesus asks all of us to do some pretty difficult things. I don't know if you realize what it takes for me to be up here, but Jesus has asked me to do some pretty difficult things. And I can say this, every time I was obedient, it was worth it. Jesus has the right to ask us to, to submit because he submitted to the Father for our eternal benefit. Lady God, ladies, God does not require you to submit to abuse or, or to any old person who wants to tell you what to do, but to your own husbands. Choose wisely and allow the order of God to let the blessing of God visit your home in such a way that you become spiritually attractive. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I just thank you today for your word, Lord. And even when it's challenging, it's liberating. Lord, I pray that you have spoken to us today uh, in a way that we can understand why your order is so important. And out of the fear of the Lord, we want to honor you because we love you. And we want our homes and our lives and our marriages and our children to reflect your glory. So, God, bring order to our hearts and order to our lives, order to our marriages and to our church. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give him praise.